Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome to GradCast. This is our, uh, we're getting a little punch drunk here because we've been doing this for a few hours now. This is our, what, sixth episode uh, recorded in a matter of about two and a half hours. <laughs> so we have been at the Western Research Forum 2017. We have been speaking to all sorts of really cool people. We just got a really inspirational interview with one of the keynote speakers, Dr. Bishop, and now we're going to talk to a member of our own committee, someone you've heard his voice many, many times, who did his own keynote speech at the Western Research Forum, and we just want to say, well, first of all, we're here with Sabrina. Hello, everyone. I'm Tristan, and our guest today is Yimin Chen. Hi again. So, we're gonna so keep what it. is this, like the fourth time I've been on, yeah. on, on the side of the microphone? So, yeah, you've, <laughs> I mean, it's, you've hosted so many shows. You've been on the committee now for a year and a half or so. That time flies, man. Yeah. And, um, so, and, and you've, you've talked about all of the research projects, but your life has been going in pretty cool directions lately. So, Is it know, my life, really, Tristan, or is it the rest? I mean, specifically that part of the world that um is canada's underpants yeah uh, i mean so much stuff's going on but you have been on the show to talk about memes you, before you've been on the show to talk about uh the bs detector and what 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 is, what is the speech you did today? well the other one was trolling yeah, and trolling right and now this kind of is all of it coming together and, and this is absolutely all of it calling uh coming together um because this is all I know how to talk about these days. So um, I was uh, honored to deliver the student keynote at the Western Research Forum this year. Uh, And my talk um, is one of the longest titles I've ever come up with. I'm very sorry. I was gonna say on the front page, it's a picture of Donald Trump uh, redrawn as Pepe the Frog, just to give you an idea where this is going. Well, thank you very much. But the so yeah, absolutely. This is it encapsulates basically everything I was talking about earlier today. Uh, so it's called the politics of internet memes. Subtitle: Fake news, trolling, and the populist power of Pepe's. Damn, That's I like some that Oxford right comma there. there too. I mean, there was. I took that out for my PowerPoint presentation, but. It, it, Absolutely. I respect it. I love that comma. So as like an expert on internet memes and trolling, you've had a lot to chew on for the last two years about now? Well, I mean, slightly more than that, but uh, actually that might be why I've been here for so long. Um, You know, things keep happening out there in internet land, and I, I don't know if it's some sort of accelerationism going on, but things have been bleeding more and more into sort of real life, IRL, if you will, um, from the online places that that I started off, you know, thinking I would be researching and writing about. So it, it, this, is, this is kind of like a weird, <clears throat> excuse me, um, transitional, I don't know, liminal. It, it, I mean, I've heard that word before. I'm not sure if I'm using it right. Liminal uh, phase. So... To start, like, is there something happening? I, I remember saying in a meeting with my supervisor, about 2014, the world started getting really weird. Um, I get, like, does this all start with Gamergate? 
Maybe a little. I mean, uh, the internet has basically always been weird. I mean, think of it how it started. A bunch of basically nerds, right? Computer scientists, geeks, university academics, a couple you know, military techies and so on, um, creating this system of networks where they could just talk to each other, share data, collaborate. Um, super egalitarian, kind of hippie, countercultural kind of... Um, you know, aspirations and ideals built into this thing that has sort of spiraled out of anyone's control and has become perhaps the defining uh, piece of technology in our lives. So, right, internet, weird. Weird people, weird things, but for a very long time, it just sort of hidden away from uh, public view, right? Uh, and then, you know, more and more people started getting on the internet. Uh, it started becoming more important in everyone's lives in terms of uh, business, commerce, government, you know, information. Just, it's seeped into pretty much every aspect of our lives. And sometime in the last maybe five years or something like that, um, the masses, the, the mainstream, the, the normal people, you know, um, I guess you can think of them, have started encountering more and more frequently the slightly off kind of weird people that have always been on the internet and for, you know, um, decades have sort of created their own kind of online culture, online societies, their, um, you know, communities their habits, their weird in-jokes and all sorts of stuff. And normal people, uh, perhaps not like me, but maybe you and Sabrina, um, encountered these just weirdos and they're like, oh, oh, this is the internet? I thought it was just email and banking. <laughs> and so... Like you mentioned Gamergate, for example, that is one example, that, that this one instance where, um, you know, certain pockets of the internet, because they were mostly sort of youngish, mostly male, and uh, again, kind of weird, have existed in pockets, gaming communities, um, just online chat rooms, forums, things like that, uh, sort of existing isolated from other people, and perhaps importantly, I suppose, um, women in almost any form. Um, so I'm not sure what the uh, statistics are now, but for a very long time, gaming and gaming communities were just almost entirely male. And so were a lot of these internet spaces where they hung out. Um, so there was uh, an old meme back in the day that basically said that on the internet uh, guys are guys girls are guys and kids are FBI so this is sort of the, the, the sort of culture the sort of communities that your average Joe your mom your grandma maybe even um, journalists just normal people started to run into and it was weird all right. And um, one key word always comes up. You and I have talked back and forth about this topic for the better part of the last year and a half. Uh, the one word that always comes up is the word irony. Kind uh, of at first with an exclamation mark and now kind of with a question mark. Can you? Is there a little bit you can speak to about 
the role of irony in all this? Yeah. Um, I think if this sort of weird internet culture could be summed up in sort of an ideology, a philosophy, um, it would be something along the lines of a detached, ironic nihilism. So a lot of it operates um, on this idea that everything is funny and nothing matters. Mm. So there's another phrase that um, used ironically, that the internet is serious business. And the point of people saying this is that they very, very clearly mean that the internet is not serious business. That if you try to take things on the internet seriously, then you are basically a sucker. So these uh, internet troll communities, these sort of weird pockets, you know, that they developed, um, they were perhaps initially or perhaps um, sort of aspirationally uh, saw themselves as kind of tricksters, jokesters. They said perhaps obscene things, perhaps sort of boundary-pushing kind of things. Did stuff that wasn't perhaps condoned in uh, polite society, day-to-day life. But there was always this idea that they didn't really mean it. They were just mm-hmm. playing because on the internet, you know, nothing's real. You could just... You could say and do things just because you could. And if you were in a community of, say, like-minded, you know, uh, colleagues, people, um, friends even, then, you know, on all sides, there's the understanding that, ha-ha, it's a joke. So another one of these, you know, maybe culture clashes that has been happening more and more in recent years is... Um, these people who think this is all a joke and meeting up with people who had no idea that this was supposed to be a joke or that people would even dream of joking about some of these things. And that has not always been a pretty sort of interaction. Mm. And the next question I guess I would have to build on that is uh, where did this irony go? I mean, this is a group that's well known now for being in part electing a troll president. Yeah, it's uh, kind of funny how that worked out. But so if I could, I'd like to maybe go back um, a couple years, say 2008. Uh, If you'll remember, this would have been Barack Obama's um, first year, his sort of camp, well, 2007, I guess, his campaign. Um, And at And his sort of presidential campaign at the time coincided with another one of these sort of um, mainstreamizations, I suppose, of of internet culture, of things like memes. Uh, If you remember the sort of red, white, and blue, sort of blacky, uh, Hope poster, very iconic. Just a beautiful piece of design, right? Um, That was also just incredibly memeable. It was a simple piece of art. The color scheme was both striking and um, sort of unique. And people could play with it. People could change it up. So instead of, you know, Barack's face and the word hope, 
you'd have people um, you know remixing it doing a parody of it and they would have R2-D2 and the caption would be New Hope hey right and in this way because people could play with it you know people would show other people what they've done with it and this poster would spread and even if um, you know their creation had nothing to do with Barack Obama or if it was actually like an anti-Obama kind of message the fact that they still used the color scheme the design basically design of the poster and and the fact that these new memes uh, even if unconnected with Obama don't make any sense except you know in the context of the original poster it always refers back to Barack Obama and his campaign. So, you know, how if uh, any publicity is good publicity, um, Barack Obama got a ton of publicity. And a lot of this might have been unintentional, right? Because it's very difficult to exert any sort of control in how memes develop, develop, how they um, evolve, and how or if at all they go viral. And so where do we go from here to president? All publicity is good publicity. Well, you mean the, the second president, all publicity is good publicity. Yeah. So one of the, um, the neat things about internet culture is that, or sorry, memes uh, specifically, is that internet memes are a great way to sort of connect, unite a whole a large groups of sort of people who would never meet in real life, right? It's a way to create a shared kind of cultural experience, right? So uh, if we go back to the Obama example, even if you weren't um, actively like canvassing for him, if you weren't actively involved in his campaign or even registered as a Democrat or whatever, by participating in uh, this sort of meme community, you could feel like you were contributing to the campaign. You were part of something greater than yourself. And this extended to people even outside of the United States. Like, people all around the world were playing around with the Barack Obama uh, hope, you know, poster meme. And that worked perhaps splendidly for, for you know, some good. Uh, coming to your question, though, uh, on the flip side... Community isn't necessarily always perhaps progressive or positive. Uh, sometimes communities can form around issues that we uh, may not agree with. And in 2016, uh, we sort of saw a kind of perfect storm of, um, of fake news, of internet memes, of... Uh, pardon my language, BS and sort of trolling. And it all culminated in, I guess, the election of the, the Donald, uh, the troll-in-chief, I mm-hmm. guess, if you will. So the title of your presentation is about, is about fake news and the power of Pepe's. So uh, I, we, we can break down one of those or the other. So I have learned through common definitions that fake news is any news organization that disagrees with the president. 
Um, yeah, it's sad, isn't it? Um, um, is there possibly more depth to that definition? Yeah. Um, fake news, you know, for reasons, I suppose, uh, got really, really important, I suppose, I guess, in somewhere around 2016. And in the months since, uh, might have been a bit worn out as a phrase. Again, for reasons, perhaps because some person keeps on tweeting about it. Um, but I think it's still an important sort of concept. Uh, but the problem is that it might, the meaning of it might have been a bit diluted because people, you know, especially certain people, have been applying it to basically anything or everything. Um, I'm reminded of other periods in history uh, where a author named George Orwell, in his essay, Politics in the English Language, talked about a word in his time, which was just so overused that it lost pretty much all meaning. It's a word that might be enjoying a bit of a resurgence recently, uh, and that's fascism. And he wrote at the time that fascism has pretty much lost all meaning except to signify something, you know, that is undesirable. So fake news, perhaps as a term, is quickly approaching that same sort of definition. But, you know, as someone who researches and studies and talks about this sort of thing, uh, I'd like to push back against that. Um, I think the idea if you break it down, there's lots of different types of what people call fake news, right? There's sort of your classic journalistic hoaxes or frauds. Um, there are stories that are basically just completely made up and fabricated. You have other classes like uh, sensationalism, sort of yellow journalism, sort of exaggerated tabloidy kind of uh, reporting. Um, there's there's satire, which is my favorite type of fake news, which is is really neat because you know um, although it may fool some people some of the time, satire doesn't actually work at all if um, unless some people are actually uh, can see the joke, have discovered the sort of deception in it. So it's it's got that weird balance between people being fooled by it and people saying, ha, I see what you did there. So there's that. And then there's, you know, fake news like the, the, the president of the United States has been talking about, which is, um, is in a class that uh, there is a philosopher from, Har- from Harvard. His name is Harry Frankfurt. He calls that... Uh, Yes, I'm allowed to say bullshit, aren't I? I mean, it's out there now. Sorry, there's no censors on the radio or on the internet, uh, as we all know. As we all know, no filters either. Um, Right. So, bullshit in from his point of view is perhaps the most dangerous category of uh, of of fakeness, right? Mm -hmm. So, whereas someone who's um, you know lying purposefully implicitly sort of acknowledges that there is some sort of truth out there that's maybe an objective-ish reality that he is opposing, that he is choosing to ignore or circumvent. Someone who's bullshitting does not care whether what they're saying is true or not. So a bullshitter is, is just as likely to use fact as fiction 
the point is they only care about the effect, the results of what they say, of their message. So, you know, some of the things that uh, Donald Trump says are verifiably facts. They might be true. A lot of the things he says aren't. But the point is, it doesn't matter. All he wants to do is to convince at least some people of what he of his message and that um at least according to dr frankfurt is perhaps the most dangerous category of uh sort of this of these fakes and that's also basically a shining example of trolling Mm. all right so then uh to get on the last branch the nazi frog can you explain what's going on with him you know, to be honest, there's not that much to explain. Um, if I if I may be candid, um, I really just sort of stuck him in because he fits, and uh, I enjoy the alliteration. So, Pepe is a meme, pretty much like you know almost any other meme. Um, he's been around since I don't know, like he's been around for like a decade. Pepe is really just a kind of semi sort of grotesque-ish weird-looking frog face and for most of his his uh his internet lifespan has been used as you know to to portray reactions in um in these trolling communities if you're sad you know you 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 post a sad pepe face if you're happy you post a happy pepe face um the entire point is it was um, a piece of imagery that other people in the trolling community would understand that people outside of it would think would be weird. And again, this is one of the functions of a meme is to sort of build up and maintain, develop this kind of group, in-group cohesion. So to have a shared cultural experience that is distinct from other cultures. And for a very long time, that's all it was. Pepe was just another one of... It's like a smiley, right? Or the, the poop emoji. It's just another thing people send back and forth. Didn't really mean much. But when Donald Trump started campaigning, running for president, um, he may well be um, one of the best sort of shining examples of what a troll is. Mm. So again, he's basically full of bullshit he doesn't care what he's saying he only cares about the effect of what he he's saying might achieve and he's getting he's trying to do that to get a response classic trolling it doesn't matter what's real it doesn't matter what's not real but i I want to get a rise out of you i want to get a response i want you to to do something so I can laugh at you or to, so I can up, exploit you or, you know, any number of these things. And because Donald Trump was that way, trolls loved him. Like, whether or not they actually supported him as a president, um, as, a presiden- as a presidential candidate is beside the fact. Again, it doesn't matter. He was funny. He was ridiculous. He was eye-catching, attention-grabbing. He was everything a troll looks for in, uh, you know, on the internet. So they ran with it. Whether the memes were pro-Trump or anti-Trump, again, it didn't matter. 
they all increase sort of uh, his mind share, you know, in the public consciousness. And Pepe just sort of was along for the ride. Okay, so I do have one question, Yemen. Are there certain people who are trolls or are there troll aspects in all of us when we get on the internet? Does it bring out a certain troll inside of me? What I say, what I do? Well, I mean, it depends sort of, I guess, how much you want to abstract it. So um, perhaps very, very, very fundamentally, uh, what trolls are looking for is a laugh. It is humor. Um, for, for If you talk to many of them, they'll say that um, if it's not funny, it's not trolling. If you're just being, you know, mean or nasty and nothing else, then you're not trolling. So, uh, personally, I mean, I think that a lot of us can identify with some aspect of that, right? It's this idea of um, joy at the misfortune of others. And that might be a very small misfortune, right? If someone slips on a banana peel in a film, we laugh because it's funny. And there's no real harm done. Well, I mean, we, we sort of know, but it looks like they fall down and who knows. But I guess it's a matter of degree, right? Um, deep down, lots and lots of humor, lots and lots of comedy is rooted in suffering. Maybe tiny, tiny bits of suffering or misfortune, but it's a response to negativity or negative events in your life. And it might be the most rational response that we can, uh, we can give. It's just that sometimes that response maybe goes out of control. And so to kind of wrap up uh, this discussion, where do we stand now? Like given all the research you've done to understand how memes really affect public consciousness and how they've now turned an election, what are we to do about it? Well, uh, well, one thing I said in my talk is that, um, you know, memes, right? It's, uh, it's not the first time someone has decided to put a catchy slogan on a colorful poster. Like, this is classic propaganda. It has uh, been very effective, very powerful, in, like, time and again throughout history. And memes are no different. Except that... Uh, well, I say that, but except that, uh, as of right now, a lot of people just don't take memes very seriously. But what where the where they differ from, say, classic propaganda, is their means of distribution. Mm-hmm. Memes live on the internet, and through that, they can perhaps have a reach and an influence that is vastly uh, greater than other sort of propaganda messages could have achieved in the past. At the same time, though, it's very hard to control memes, right? Because the internet is so distributed, because you really can't force people just all over the place to stay on message. Memes have a natural tendency to mutate and evolve and just go wherever sort of the crowd wills it. It's kind of weird and I think it's well for me it's a very exciting uh, 
time to be studying these sorts of things. But if, if, if I want, if I'm to sort of leave a last bit of advice, it would be uh, a quote from Mr. Ernest Hemingway, one of my favorite authors, uh, who said that um, every man, well, man, of course, every person uh, should have an automatic crap detector, you know, operating inside of them. So, however well educated you think you might be, however clear thinking and you know no bullshit you might be, I think we could, we we would all benefit from stopping once in a while and sort of reflecting on what what sort of news, what sort of information are we being fed? Are we reading, hearing, and seeing? And what is its effect on us? And why is it being sent to us? And, you know, maybe ideally, that will lead us to um, a happier, maybe less hateful and angry place. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. My pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>